is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon. This is a Chelsea U special. That's right, but you already knew that by the title. Cobham Crew officially here during the World Cup. Uh, Phil, how you been getting on during the World Cup, knowing that only half of Cobham is operating? Uh, it's been a really interesting time, obviously, for the f- first time for any of us. The World Cup's happening during an active season, and that extends down to to the academy levels. So while the development squad aren't exactly on a full schedule right now, the, the under-18s, under-17s, and everyone below them are, and it kind of feels like business as usual, but it doesn't because there's no Premier League football, there's no Champions League football, uh, and everybody's over in Qatar playing in the World Cup. So it's been slightly weird, but it's... Uh, bonus football extra football and <laughs> as always as we say on these updates there's never a shortage of anything going on at Cobham on the academy side of things so so true um who obviously you're you're English so I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite team but uh you've been putting some really in my opinion awesome tweets out there just showing the extent of La Cobham in the World Cup oh it's it's remarkable and it's it can be as as obvious as Mason Mount being in the England squad, it can be as obscure as Rogelio Funes Mori being in the Mexico squad, him and his brother Ramiro. Um, I may have mixed them up, unfortunately, there. One of them played for Everton in the Premier League a few years ago. The other one is a naturalised Mexican, Argentinian of birth. Long story short, they they had a trial at Chelsea in 2008, uh, one or two games, and and here we are now on the big stage. You've got... E.K. Ogbo representing Canada, having been an England youth international. You've got Tarek Lamptey playing for Ghana and doing very well. Jamal Musiala, one of the best young players in the world, playing for Germany. It seems that every day there's somebody featuring in the World Cup who's come through the incredible uh, production line down at Cobham. And again, you're going with the hipster picks, not even the classic Chelsea first teamers or you know even the Conor Gallagher yeah. sneaking in on the plane as well yeah you can there's obviously plenty of representation in the england squad and then it's it's the depth of it and the reach of it and even the players who didn't get selected for the world cup i mean i I make a joke that you're it's like the six degrees of kevin bacon you're never more than six moves away from a chelsea academy graduate from any footballer in the world and i think it probably holds up yeah all right well let's go ahead and dive into the specifics here Uh, i love in the script you put lewis hall exclamation mark right away What's going on with their boy? Obviously, you know, he's had quite a season, made his Premier League debut uh, earlier, which seems like ages ago at this point. Uh, what's the uh, the young captain up to? I mean, we talk on the last day of November, and it does seem like ages ago that he played against Manchester City and against Newcastle. But those were both in the month of November, which has been a very, very long month. Uh, delighted for the boy because... He's he's deserved more of an opportunity than he got since he made his man of the match debut against Chesterfield all the way back in January. And that was a long time ago. Uh, We'll point out that he was out of position as much as a versatile player can be out of position playing left side to centre half in the back three. Obviously, he's gone on um, and played uh, his first two games of this season at senior level at left wing back. He is and will prefer to be a central midfielder given the chance. But if you get called up to the first team and asked to do a job, you don't say, nah, actually, it's not my preferred position. You go out there and you do the job to the best of your ability. And he was fantastic in both games. Um, I think the only negative, apart from the actual results for the team, obviously, and 
negatives on an individual level is he might feel he should have scored at least once against Manchester City, probably the first of the two chances. Uh, but 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 what a way to introduce yourself to the big time. You go out there, you hold it down, you perform to the standards expected of you, and, and it seems like he's been rewarded with uh, a permanent promotion into the first team squad, which is uh, richly deserved and at this point, certainly with the way that Chelsea seem to be moving, and if there's a meritocracy, he's done everything to deserve more opportunities to play. Let me let me confirm. Permanent move? Like, locker at Cobham's cleaned out. He's moved across the street? I won't confirm or deny because I don't know, but it, <laughs> it wouldn't fair, surprise fair, fair. me. It wouldn't surprise me if he does, uh, certainly for this stage before Christmas. And, I mean, even before the selection for the Newcastle game, it was, you're going to be with us until the break, and you're going to be with us in Abu Dhabi. So... Um, I think if it's not done, done, then certainly he's impressing enough to to lead towards that being a thing for the rest of the season. Assuming there's no loan in January, we might get to that a bit later. But yeah, uh, I mean, now why would you? He's proven that he can be an asset to a squad in a position that's lost Ben Chilwell again for a while, and his versatility can only be an asset. Yes, yeah, left wing back, left centre back, central midfield, a, a talented left footed player outfield that Chelsea once again seem to have a slight dearth of. Um, particularly in non-forward positions. So I'm really excited by what he's shown this season as a body of work and his introduction into the first team has been has been really quite successful. You're just letting the memories wash over me again at just how good Lewis Hall was. I mean, he slotted in. We everyone was retweeting your tweet that said, look, all you know, they're just asking for a chance. You know, are they gonna you know be match winners every single game? No, but they're not gonna not gonna let you down. And Lewis Hall did much more than not let us down. If anything, what a bummer that it was right before the break, you know, that these two opportunities came. Obviously, I think the first one was due to injury and illness and stuff. But the second one was on merit, like, hey, you did so well back, you know, right back in for you. And it's just like a bit of a buzzkill that he's going to have to wait to get back in. But again, love to hear that, um, you know, things are looking up for him. Well earned. And it was such a good refresher. We needed cover in the left back. We're going to need cover on the right side. Let's see what happens. Looks like Fafana's getting back healthy. Um, so that's all good. But the team that he captains, said Dev Squad, um, an unbeaten run that is beyond double digits at this point. We have peaked past 10. They're at 11, um, which is always a good number to turn it up to. And it's the longest unbeaten run for a team of this level at the club. So by that, I mean they're currently the under-21s. They've previously been the under-23s. They were the under-21s before that. And then for the majority of this time, they were the old reserve team. Uh, the long, last time they had a, an unbeaten run of this length was the 1990 season. Off my head, either way, it's 30 years or so. Uh, and they've been really, really good value for it as well. Earlier in the season, there were a couple of disappointing results and they've definitely left points on the table in that run of 11 is seven wins and five draws and off those five draws I think three of them they were leading with five minutes or less to go so by that measure it could look even better but we're not gonna uh, criticize them too much because more recently they've been very very good in the PL2 they beat Blackburn and Tottenham quite comfortably at home uh, they had a draw away at Brighton, which was one of those mentioned that they were leading right at the very end and didn't get it. And then the Papa John's Trophy, they've been outstanding. They qualified for the um, knockout rounds with a late, late show at Leighton Orient with uh, two late Malik Mothersill goals and an Amari Hutchinson masterclass. And then they went to Peterborough in a game that they were drawn at home and seeded home advantage, went to Peterborough and played a really good League One team off the park. They won 4-2. 
Uh, Duke Morgos from Mother Steel, an absolute worldie from Cesare Castaday, who we're going to talk about, uh, and a really, really nice goal from Ben Elliott as well. So that was maybe the most impressive under 21, under 23 performance for a good few years. Um, and now they go to Cheltenham at some point in the next week, 10 days or so. They're trying to confirm a date for it now. now. Um, potentially four games from a Wembley final, which given the FA Cup draw for the men's first team could be the best chance that we get of seeing a, a men's Chelsea team at the big stadium this season. Yeah, don't let me whisper. It might be a blessing in disguise, uh, but you know, it's uh, we'll see how it works having been handed City again. Um, I love that you tease that, the, especially with that draw academy, you're most likely to get to Wembley this season, which fingers crossed, knock on wood, let's hope we make it happen. It would be it would be incredible if they did because their under twenty one team has never made it that far in in this competition in the five or six years that they've been invited. Chelsea are actually the the club that's had the team that go the furthest. They got to the semi finals um, in the year with Trevor Chalabar and Callum Hudson Odoi and Ethan Ampadu in the team. Um, they lost that one on penalties and they went really, really close. Joe Edwards was the coach at the time. I think this group, if it stays together through the rest of the season and doesn't get fragmented on loan in January, has the potential to. Uh, it'll always be tough because you'll end up with League One, League Two teams who take it very seriously and want that Wembley final. And then if if and when it does happen, I think there will eventually be an under-21 team that gets there. How's it going to look at Wembley? Because these teams aren't traditionally followed by thousands of people. You might get thousands of tickets sold for the casual Chelsea fan who wants to up and see the club do uh, something impressive. But I, I, it, if and when that happens, I think there'll be quite a bit of furore around the, the English football pyramid uh, and the controversy therein. But let's let's deal with that when we get to it. They've been really good value for money in that competition and, and long may that run continue too. So uh, one of the many signings for Cobham this summer was Sister A. Cassidy. Uh, coming from Inter Milan, uh, top top prospect. We paid what, like twelve million or, or so for? Maybe not. Possibly a bit not, more than not, that. It was in the ballpark of the same fee that we paid for Chuck Wemeka, fifteen twenty million euros, something in that region. Not nothing. Yeah, <laughs> he he has been a bit of a man on fire. I remember one of our last episodes. We were talking about ah, he's kind of picking up these red cards. You're like, it, not not a, it's not a flag like on him. Like there's circumstances and things. He seems to have just gone and dropped like monster goal after monster goal recently. Yeah, I remember saying to you when we were last talking about him that he was neat and tidy and he was settling in, but we hadn't seen the best of him yet. And over the last month, I think we're starting to see what we bought because he's he's taken over games. He's we know he's a big boy. He's he's got that Balak style build and elegance and eats up ground with a long stride, can play box to box and dominate in either half of the pitch. But some of the performances in that, uh, the win against um, Tottenham at home, fantastic assist for Mothersill for the third goal, just picks up the ball on the counter attack, finds the space and clips a glorious through ball. And that was a fleeting moment of... Ooh, What's that? That's the next step he's taken because it was a, a good performance before that, and he and he highlighted it with an assist. And then he's just gone from strength to strength. The goal at Peterborough, quite frankly, should be Chelsea's goal of the season. <laughs> and if if anything is better than that in the months to come, then we're going to be very spoiled because this was a ridiculous goal. He's just sort of taken a touch near halfway and thought right, it's opened up for me. And then thirty five yards out, top corner past Lucas Bergstrom, a goalkeeper on loan from Chelsea, six foot eight. There's not a lot of space to. Um, 
to, to put that into from that distance against a big goalie, but a stupendous goal. And then he's he's backed it up. The under twenty ones they had a friendly against Dulwich Hamlet uh, last weekend, and they won six three. He's gone and got a hat trick in that one. Scored an absolute blinder off his left foot this side, coming in off the right wing and sticking in the top corner. He seems to be adding more and more to his game. Well, not necessarily adding it. He's, he would have showcased this at Inter, and this is why Chelsea has been big on him. But he's now finding the confidence and rhythm and settled in England and settled within this team. Uh, it looks far too good for this level, which then brings us to the conversation of, is he going out on loan in January? I know Simon Johnson from The Athletic has mentioned before that the the club will look to find him perhaps a championship loan in second tier in England. Um, I think they have to be very careful with finding the right loan for him because you don't want to put a halt to this momentum that he's building up. He's going to be, he's been training with uh, Graham Potts first team squad as long with the rest of the under 21s during this break, as they've come back with very few first teamers around, there's a chance he'll go to Abu Dhabi and be involved in that Aston Villa friendly. So you don't want to put out a fire as it's building. Uh, if there's a great opportunity that comes along in January, let's consider it. But otherwise you might want to keep him around and see if he can influence the first team because the way he's trending, I wouldn't put it past him to to make a debut and do well. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a couple of people doing extremely well. Amari Hutchinson, you know, Cassidy, definitely stealing some headlines. Uh, the beating Dolch Hamlet, beating Peterborough, Leighton Orient, going to be coming up against Cheltenham. Kind of where do you see the level of some of these players as you look to, you know, January? Uh, are they Chocomecas getting some minutes? Uh, do you feel like they're first team fringe ready? Do you feel like the loan is the right play? And if so, low, kind of what level? How do you how do you kind of gauge what's a good next step for some of these players? The, the gauge I prefer to use, particularly now, is is Lewis Hall's gauge, because he's been one of say half a dozen really really outstanding performers in this team this season. You're throwing Cassidy, you're throwing Ben Elliott, you're throwing Charlie Webster. You're throwing Amari Hutchinson, so on and so forth. And if Lewis can come in and play to that really high standard against Manchester City and Newcastle, then given the right circumstances and the right support and the right environment, I don't see why any of those can't do the same. Uh, I mean, Amari's been on the bench for a couple of games and quite frankly should have come on in one of them, but let's leave that alone. It's, it's water under the bridge. But they've proven that they can play and play well against League One teams. You'd expect that from play, high-quality players at Chelsea. In select circumstances in cameo performances and then in the likes of the opportunities that Lewis got they're absolutely able to perform and I'd be confident in the majority of the dev squad being able to do that job to a decent to good standard it's then building upon that and how do you turn one and two performances into five and ten performances then ten to twenty and the uh, and the confidence and the development you gain just it should accelerate in, a, in an ideal world and we've seen it happen with several of the the graduates who are now first team mainstays if you don't give them that chance to build the momentum, then maybe you you look to a loan. And some of these boys will go on loan in January. Some of them will hang around. The development squad are doing well. And if if the if the pathway from Potter is there, then they should be encouraged to stay around as well because there is nothing quite like the opportunities that a first team game, first team outing gives you compared to to playing on loan. There's nothing that takes you to that next step quicker. I think. We should we should believe we'll go back to that tweet that I put out against Brentford a year ago that you referenced at the start. That they won't let you down. They may not be man of the match every time, except in Lewis's case, he's been man of the match in two out of three games for Chelsea at least. So he's <laughs> done me over there a little bit. But uh, they won't let you down. And then it's about carrying that forward, getting the next opportunity to play and building upon it. And so it doesn't become a novelty. It becomes 
the norm. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, and I didn't mean to shortchange because you have Ben Elliott on here as well. You're saying it's his time to shine. Uh, he's been at the club since he was eight. He's considered an attacking midfielder, score and create. Uh, he's been around for a while, playing in the England youth national team setups, had an injury, but it seems like he's back, signed his pro contract. How's What's up with Ben Elliott? He might be a name that a lot of us haven't heard of. Yeah, to say he had an injury is a real understatement. He missed basically two years of his development, 14 to 16, with a succession of long-term layoffs. And he, at 14, was playing for England under-15s regularly and was genuinely seen as one of the brightest talents of his age group in the country. He was in the same youth team as Jamal Musiala for context. I'm not necessarily saying that he would have gone on to be the same quality and caliber of player as Musiala is now, but he was spoken of and seen in the same light at the time. Even then when he got fit uh, back at 16, 17, there were still niggles and absences that prevented him from putting a long run of form together. In 2022 as a whole, the back half of last season, the first half of this, is finally coming together for him. He turned 20 not so long ago and for all the highlights and flair and flash and goal scorers and everything else in this development squad, he's the the heartbeat. The, the, he keeps the rhythm going. He keeps ticking over him. And Charlie Webster can do very similar, um, a couple of years younger. But Ben's got a composure and a balance and an elegance about him in the middle of the pitch that has has really shone since Robinson in particular has come in to coach this team. He's added a few goals to his game. The one against Peterborough is up for the club's goal of the month with a lovely shimmy dummy to take the defender out of it and stuck it in the top corner off his weaker left foot. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with him next. Same situation as Cassidy. You've got to pick the right loan if it's a time for a loan. He's 20, maybe think it is. Um, uh, and where he goes from there, we'll see. I don't like writing players off when they're 20. People might think, oh, he's not made his debut by 20. He's not been out on loan. He's not one we're going to care about because everyone's circumstances are different. This is a quality young player Chelsea have on their hands and there's a potential top-level career for him if things continue to go well. Fingers crossed they do because he's been fabulous this season. I love, love, love to hear it. But hey, we're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, we're jumping right back into it with the under-18. So thank the sponsors and we'll be right back. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right, Phil, break time over under 18s. Uh, They're having more of their traditional season, as you said, uh, for kind of just obvious reasons. There's less U18s on full men's national teams. Uh, in this tournament. So uh, uh, it's a little bit of business as usual. They've had a rough couple back-to-back matches, although they showed quite a bit of spirit and fight against West Ham. West Ham, 
ever since you and I've been doing this little Academy update, West Ham have been up there at the 18s. Not always. I feel like the dev squad and I could be wrong, but I always feel like they seem to just have some of the best U18 squads um, in this league. Yeah. They're enjoying a really good time of it at youth level the last couple of years. Uh, the dev squad finished second in the PL2 last season. Uh, they're currently second bottom of the PL2 this season with just two wins. So that can change with a generation that's, they, they brought a lot of players in to a group, competed really well. Some have gone out online, some have gone up uh, fringes of the first team. But the other 18s have won nine out of nine this season. And that ninth was most recently this past Tuesday at Cobham in a game where Chelsea were trying to bounce back from a really, really disappointing 7 1 home defeat to Fulham. Um, the largest such defeat uh, for quite a while. It happens occasionally. They lost uh, 6-1 at home to Tottenham during the pandemic. They lost 7-2 at home to Tottenham several years ago. They've lost 5-1 at Arsenal. I'm not going to rattle off all of the yeah, big good. defeats that the under-18s have list. had over the years. But it's, <laughs> it's designed to highlight that it's youth football. These things can happen sometimes. And if I tell you that Mason Mount lost in that 7-2 to Tottenham and uh, Trevor Chalabar's lost heavy scores, anyway, every single player that's made it into the first team and become a mainstay has been part of a heavy defeat at under-18 level at some point. It doesn't necessarily mean that the players are bad, that this team is... Uh, is not full of potential that the coach is bad whatever it was a really weird performance against Fulham where they weren't downright terrible as you might expect 7-1 defeat to be it was sloppy Fulham were clinical and it was one of those days the West Ham game was fascinating because Chelsea got out to a really hot start 2-0 up in 15 minutes against a powerhouse team and that's really where the problem started because uh, they were kind of forced into it but Kind of not. It was a bit of a choice as well. They just tried to defend that lead for 75 minutes. And it's really hard to do that against the team with the firepower that West Ham have got. With the additional year of experience that West Ham have got, a lot of their forward line in particular are 18-year-olds. Chelsea's defenders, at least a year younger in many cases. And you might think, well, what's a year here and there? But in a compacted sort of 15 to 18-year-old competition, yeah, a year can be 25% of your eligibility and everything is more pronounced at that age group. So so no no disservice to a really good West Ham team who fought their way back into it with aggression, with tenacity and with quality and deservedly won that game 4-2. It was one of those that it was always going to be hard for Chelsea and probably made to look worse by the fact they did hold a 2-0 early lead through some really enterprising play that was um, Danel McNeely scored the first goal, uh, which is he's now got 7-7, seven he scored against West Brom. He scored a couple against Fulham in the under-17 Premier League Cup, which Chelsea are now through to the quarterfinals in. He scored against Derby in the under-18 uh, under Premier League Cup, which Chelsea are out of, unfortunately. But he's been doing really well as a, a real workhorse centre-forward. Centre big, physical boy. Gives everything for the team and, and scores well. And uh, Tudor Mendeladou made that goal and then won a penalty. He's been in great individual form as well. Leo Castadine scored the penalty, but was playing at centre-half, which is something he's done recently for the development squad as well a little bit unusual you can see why he does it he does have a little bit of a background doing it from when he was a younger player at Wimbledon he brings a little bit of a, an authority and a physical edge that some of the, the younger defenders are learning they don't quite have it yet um, and he's, he's just a footballer who can give you a 7 out of 10 there the problem was this was also the sort of game where you needed Leo in attack uh, and so we're not going to dwell too much on a couple of defeats because they're back in action this coming Saturday away to Aston Villa, which on paper looks like a much more winnable game. But 
generally a, a mixed bag. They've won four in a row, lost two in a row, still well placed, and uh, and, and still a bunch of good players. They won really well at Tottenham, for example. A couple of great goals in there. Michael Golding scored a nice one. Josh Achenpong scored a great one, which again, up for goal of the month. Pick your poison from those. There's been a few bangers recently in the academy. Yeah, no, absolutely. It has been good that the goal of the month does kind of work across men's, women's academy uh, as well. Yeah, I, and the other thing, you know, along with West Ham is that Fulham have had a good academy too. Obviously, we, we've talked about that. So Really, it, really good as well. And not yeah, to interrupt you, know, you, but they've been, they've been really good at under 18 level. They've been really competitive for a long time and i made a, a post on, on twitter about a month ago of chelsea graduates playing really well at high level football um Mustiala at Bayern munich this champions league it was off the back of i think uh tamori at milan so on and so forth players doing really well uh, and a good friend connor rowden for anyone who follows him on twitter replied with a similar one for fulham They've got Fabio Cavallio and Harvey Elliott at Liverpool as graduates. They've got Matt O'Reilly at Celtic in the Champions League as a graduate. They've got Ryan Sessegnon and Jed Spence at Tottenham as graduates. For a competitive West London recruiting area that they share with Chelsea and with the way it is in youth football now, uh, everyone's competing for everybody across London and everywhere else. They they are as good as anybody, pound for pound, at getting players, developing players and being competitive on the pitch and then getting them into the first team. So there may be rivalry between Chelsea and Fulham it's never really been like that for me because some of my family are Fulham fans most of my family are Chelsea fans and I've got a kind of I wouldn't say a soft spot but a real appreciation for what they do at academy level yeah I think that's probably a good way of putting it um look it's just an it's a convenient thing even when we've been there to watch matches at Chelsea we may have gone down to Fulham to watch a championship game a few years back because it's just convenient you know so uh I totally understand that so last season, the Dev Squad were in the R-word battle. Uh, the 18s won a trophy. How are so far the seasons kind of shaken out between these te- these two teams? A little bit different. I remember last year, the 18s were free-flowing. They were scoring three, giving up three. It was just a matter of, like, you know, could they defend one piece, one set piece that day or one, one goal? And the Dev Squad, is just those poor guys, just it, it just nothing really clicked. Obviously, coaching changes have been going. What's your kind of vibe on the two two kind of trajectories of each team this season? Well, the Dev Squad are very much in a title phase, title fight rather. Uh, it's extremely tight at the top of PL two. The top seven teams are separated by four points. Um, Chelsea have played a game more than anybody else there, but it's going to be competitive for a while. As always in PL two, it's going to be largely dependent on which squads stay together during the January transfer window and which clubs excessively loan more of their key players out at this point, which is better for their development, but it will affect their performance on the pitch. The 18s, by no means, are out of it. They, excuse me, are uh, two points behind second. West Ham, uh, 12 points clear of anybody. So I think it's going to take something very special to, to catch them. But... No team's played more than nine games in a 22-game league season. So a lot of football left to play there. I think if Chelsea are looking for an under-18 trophy this season, then it's all eyes on the FA Youth Cup, as it always is. It's the the best-on-best competition. They host Bradford City at home in the third round, which will be at Kings Meadow mid-month. Probably Saturday the 17th, but not yet confirmed. Uh, they played Bradford in the same competition three years ago and they won 5-0. Uh, 
and uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, that will be a team that will be highlighted by Lewis Hall, who is still eligible. Um, Lewis Hall, Brody Hughes, Tudor Mendeladowu, Zane Silcott, Ronnie Sutter when he's back fit. Those are the the key second years, and it'll be all the first years that have performed so well: McNeely, Golding, Achenpong, so on and so forth. Um, I remarked in the summer that it's going to be quite an interesting Youth Cup year because almost everybody of the usual runners and riders, the the key contenders, are moving on from a real top-heavy 18-year-old experience to having less of that. And so West Ham, for example, might be one of the the favourites given their form this season and given their attacking options, but could be a wildcard team that comes out. So in any in a year like that, um, Chelsea would have to fancy themselves because of the depth of quality that they've got across the age groups. They were semi-finalists last year. They were four minutes away from being in the final. We'd like to think they can go that one step further this year, be back in the final for the first time in what will be six years, um, sorry, five years, uh, and go from there. Wow. All right. Well, um, it, it, it's obviously, man, it's just with these age groups, I find it exciting with just kind of almost how quickly a season can turn as well, you know, for good and bad, right? It, it It's just youth development is so exciting and, and it is all about development and, um, you know, watching the, the process works at Chelsea, obviously, Phil, you know, that board of anybody, but again, just the way we see these professional footballers come out of the Academy, it's just, it's so great to see. And it seems like Potter's open to integrating the youth as well. Like, and trying to give them a little bit of time to to grow and seeing these results and the progress and and having these teams having to fight week in week out not only for results but you know to to compete for trophies and titles and things i i'm 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 really really enjoying this and seeing how all the pieces connect i mean it's it, it's so important for bully i mean it seems like it's a massive priority yeah. for him and the leadership team is that Cobham directly supports the first team. It does. And we spoke about this last time that this is going to be a really intriguing period for the under 21 squad because they're training every day with the remainder of the first team that aren't at the World Cup. And they will be doing so for a considerable period of time. The World Cup still has a few weeks left to run. And hopefully the majority of Chelsea's um, World Cup players will be there performing well for their countries. So the longer that goes, the the stronger the chance there is of these graduates, the, these 21s going to Abu Dhabi with the, the first team squad and getting a chance to impress. And who knows where that can lead. Um, there was obvious disappointment when none of them were called up for the Dinamo Zagreb dead rubber Champions League match day six game. And I think rightfully so. Um, and then Lewis Hall's inclusion in games thereafter has sort of turned that around a bit and thought, well, is, is the pathway there? Let's wait and see. We'd like to have seen Amari play. We'd like to see everybody get a go. But there's there's definitely learnings to be had from a new coaching staff who've only been here a few months. See how things develop at the under-18 game, the West Ham game. Uh, Billy Reed and Bruno, uh, two members of Potter's backroom staff, are watching the game. It's the first time any of them have been seen to be doing that. We don't expect it to happen every week, but Reed in particular is known as the the one among Potter's group to be the conduit between the academy side and between uh, the first team staff. And that's an important role to have. And of course, Neil Barth is reported to have this new responsibility and scope to his, uh, to his role at Chelsea that is primarily focused on the integration between this side of the road at Cobham and that side of the road. And that's long overdue as a formal 
recognized responsibility for somebody to hold. Theoretically, Emanalo and Granovskaya and everybody else who've, pre- who've been the director of football or whatever for this, all intents and purposes, the same job or regardless of title. But to see it recognized in this way and given to somebody who's given 30 years of incredible service to the club and is worth his weight in gold is fascinating. And I'm really excited to see how that manifests itself over time. We're still in the very early days. They're still putting together the football think tank at the top with Joe Shields and Lawrence Walker and everybody else, Paul Wynn Stanley. Uh, and when everything settles down, everybody's roles are fleshed out and these things start to spread tentacles and get really to grips with the new era of Chelsea. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how it all comes together. For sure. Well, with that, we're going to take our last break. When we're back, we're going to talk about the U-17s, a team maybe you haven't heard a lot about every single week. And the FA Youth Cup, you just said, more fixtures. So we're almost there. Uh, thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. All right. So, Phil, U-17s, a team that we've talked about before, but obviously not week in, week out, not on a monthly basis. But uh, we have good reason. The U-17s. Uh, are through to the quarterfinals of the U-17 Premier League Cup. They are indeed, and they've done it very well. They're in a group with Fulham, Arsenal and Leicester. They won 3-0 at Arsenal in September. They beat Leicester 3-0 at Covenham in October. And then they shared a 3-0 draw against Fulham uh, last week. There was enough to see Kid them sponsor's through. going to love that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, Donnell Manili scored twice, and Harrison Murray-Campbell scored a, a really nice goal from out on the right, which... I'm not entirely sure if he meant, but I'd like to give him the credit for it. It was sort of a, a volleyed cross that was off the outside of the foot and it swung and swung and went right into the far top corner. I'm going to give him credit because he's been outstanding recently in a number of positions, so deserves it. But yeah, Chelsea are into the last eight of that. The whole group stage isn't quite finished yet, but uh, Stoke City are through, Tottenham are through, Nottingham Forest are through, Aston Villa are through. There's still a few teams still to be settled, but... It's, it's an interesting competition that they launched during the first year of the pandemic. They hold the under 18 and under 16 Premier League Cups and they didn't hold them that season and they merged them into the under 17. And then the following season, they brought the other two back and retained this one. So there are players who feature in all three of them. There's players who feature in some of two of them. The under 17s allows you to have a couple of overage players. So some clubs treat it as an opportunity for the really young boys to get another look. Some take it seriously. Manchester City have won pretty much every edition of it ever. But Manchester City are out this year and Chelsea are through. So there's another chance for a, a trophy. They won the under-18 edition of this cup last season. They beat Fulham in the final of that. It seems Fulham are coming up here. They're in everywhere right now. Um, but it's, it's it's a good opportunity for, for the depth of the under-18 squad to get meaningful minutes in, in, in tyres and in fixtures that have a, a tangible result. The league matches, it seems like a long campaign and maybe you lose here, lose there, but knockout football is always something that brings added value to youth development. Well, not only that, but it's good again to see the young players learning from an early age how to successfully navigate a youth tournament, um, how to how to work their way through a, a competition uh, in search of silverware. So, you know, we're just building the the foundations early on, which you love to see. Um, and yeah, then you have the Youth Cup Go ahead. You do. Yeah, I was going to segue into the Youth Cup as well. Yeah, we've seen that they won it five times in a row, seven times in a decade, and they've won the UEFA Youth League. And all of the, the the quality that has come through the academy and into the first team and into the wider footballing world from those groups of players. Knockout football, winning football and winning silverware is irreplaceable. 
um, as far as Chelsea's games program is concerned. So hopefully the under-17s go far in their competition. Hopefully the Youth Cup run starts positively against Bradford uh, and they can carry it into the new year because the first half of this season for their academy as a whole has been really successful. They held a, an event with the Premier League down at Cobham earlier in the month celebrating 10 years of the Elite Player Performance Plan, which was devised in part, in no small part, by Neil Barth and, and colleagues from across the youth development game. Uh, and and the success stories that were told there, uh, a testament to the hard work that's been put in. And as Chelsea moved towards the, the vision, the 2030 project for the academy of having a certain level of representation of minutes in the first team and the starting 11 and academic success on and off the pitch, I think they've they've hit a, a threshold in those numbers already that they're happy to be at. And they want to maintain that and improve upon it for as long as they can, for as far as they can, and in as many ways as they can. So it's really exciting. Love it. And then uh, kind of give us a heads up. So World Cup goes, you know, obviously Premier League resumes on Boxing Day. What do we what do we have to to kind of wet our Chelsea appetite for the next just under a month? Yep. So the Dev Squad have the Papa John's Trophy game against Cheltenham, which will be. Uh, coming up pretty soon and that'll be them done until the new year when they return in the first week of January the under 18s have Aston Villa away this coming Saturday they have another game against Brighton to play which may be moved for before because of the Bradford Youth Cup tie and then they're done for Christmas before they come back in the first week of January as well so they get the uh, the Christmas period off uh, a good fortnight or so and then they're back in 2023 um, pushing hard uh, on and off the pitch get into the first team keep the successes on the pitch going in the academy um, hopefully bring some silverware and then we'll talk again in December as we get closer sure will um, but any early predictions on just general movement do you think the academy is going to be seeing a lot of people can maybe coming in and going in general how how active are you predicting that that they're going to be as far as moving people I don't necessarily think that the dev squad will bring anybody in I think there's obvious candidates for players to be going out on loan they 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 won't rip the heart out of the squad but in individual individual cases you need to say right who needs to go out on loan who would benefit from it who needs a bit more playing time we know Hutchinson was close to a loan in August perhaps does he now go out on loan or is there room for him in the first team squad? Some of the first team activity might impact what happens here. Let's say is Hakim Ziyech hanging around. If he leaves in January, for example, is there a spot for a left-footed forward in the first team squad that Hutchinson can can fill? Uh, you'd like to think that Lewis Hall has done enough to earn more minutes for the first team between now and the end of the season. But if Potter thinks maybe it's not there, then does Lewis go on loan? Does Cassidy get on loan to acclimatise even further to English football? Is Dion Rankin ready for a loan after being really, really good on the right-hand side for the dev squad all season? It's You have to strike that balance between finding the right move for the right player at the right time and impacting everybody else's development, sometimes adversely by leaving a shell of a team around the players that don't go on loan, they're not as competitive and they end up in an environment that isn't conducive to the highest possible learning they can have. Under 18s, you don't tend to bring players in, but it's that time of year where players are told whether they get scholarships or not. Chelsea have made their decisions. They've got the majority of what next summer's intake will look like, but this is the sort of time where Jim Fraser and friends will start to try to heavily recruit the the cream of the crop from elsewhere. It's it's a really competitive market <laughs> under 16s to give them scholarships. Um, Chelsea have lost a fair few in pre- re- recent years and they've gone out and got plenty. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if if one or two come in over the next coming months. 
this time last year, Chelsea signed Travis Alcamea, brought him in as an under-16 to become a scholar later that summer. You might see someone coming in that capacity, but generally I think we're looking at more loan outgoings than than anything else. Yeah, no, I I know we all kind of have one eye uh, ahead to the future. Uh, it sounds like we just expect a lot of movement in general at Chelsea in January. We'll have to see. It's just been such a start-stop season. It's glad the academy, at least the 18s and 17s and 16s and the younger teams have had a little bit more of consistency. But again, with the dev squad and the first team, there's no rhythm to the season whatsoever. Super difficult. Obviously, changing of men's uh, first team coach and backroom staff is going to add a lot of different uh, changes to things as well. But we move on, right? I mean, what else do we do? Yep, it's it's always fascinating. I know I say it at the end of pretty much every episode, but it's unpredictable. It's exciting, and you, you never know when a, a storyline like Lewis Hall can pop up. I don't think anyone really would have expected him to be involved against Manchester City when the draw was made because the draw was made in September and you're not going to be that optimistic. Sometimes things are forced to shake out. Ben Chilwell was fit in September, wasn't fit in November. You never know what's around the corner and with so much exciting talent playing really well in the development squad, um, I'm I'm hopeful. I wouldn't necessarily say optimistic because I've seen how things have happened over the years, but I'm really hopeful that uh, the opportunities will be there for players who deserve them. I love it. All right. Well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us for another Cobham crew. Really, really appreciative of, of your time and your knowledge and, and everything like that. So I'll let you get back to it. But uh, again, if you're not, go follow at Chelsea Youth. Literally more official than the official counts. It's amazing. Players tag him. He's an absolute hero. Thank you for covering the game. As we noted, for what, 16 years now, you've been covering uh, the academy. Since, like, since we the need first to game send- I watched, yeah. Ah, oh, they should send you a Rolex or something, you know, for all your years of service. Or a Hublot, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, we have to stay on brand with the club. Always a pleasure. Oh, man. Have a great one, Phil. Chelsea fans, more content the rest of the week. Another special with CFC Central looking at future Chelsea players from the World Cup. Anyways, I'm Braden. This is Phil. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Blue flag flying high.